Well, thank you. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to be with you and uh, encourage you, if you have a Bible with you, to turn to the book of Exodus, chapter 16. Uh, this is the second bookend of the Bible, Exodus chapter 16. Uh, as Ethan mentioned, I am privileged to lead the, the ministry leadership program at Milligan, a program that, that FCC helped to launch. And um, I, I, wish, I wish today I could take my allotted time and just share stories of all of the things that God has been doing this past year, of what's coming up in the year ahead. I can't do that, unfortunately, but suffice it to say that, that your generosity is making a huge difference in helping to raise up the next generation of leaders for God's church. So, no, I'm deeply grateful, Milligan is grateful, and we're thankful for your uh, support. A few years ago, I was leading a short-term global outreach team uh, to serve the poor in the slums of, of Nairobi, Kenya. And uh, every night, we gather as a team to debrief the day's events. And on that trip was a guy who was fairly new to our church. He was a new Christian. And, uh, and I'll never forget what John said to us one night. He he'd spent several days observing these dedicated Kenyan Christians and talking with them and listening to them. And, and I'll never forget what he shared with us one evening at our debrief. John said to us, in America, we believe in God. But here in Kenya, they depend upon God. Now, think about that for a moment. He says, in America, we believe in God. But here in Kenya, these dedicated Christian people in Kenya, they depend upon God. You know, could it be that, that we can mentally agree with some information about Christianity that in no way affects how we live day by day by day? And maybe a more troubling question is this. Do you depend upon God? Or do you merely believe in him? Do you depend upon God? In the book of Exodus, there's a very important season in the life of the people of Israel. The Israelites were slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and God comes to rescue them. And, and many of us know the story. God calls Moses through a burning bush and commissions him to lead the Israelites out of slavery to the promised land. And, and whenever we say it that way, it, to me, it just seems so simple, doesn't it? Eh, from slavery to the promised land. It, it's like going from church to a restaurant nearby for lunch, right? It just seems so easy. It seems so quick and instant, but it was anything but. This journey was not a simple jaunt from church to a restaurant a few miles away. Now, there were shorter routes that, that God could have used to lead the children of Israel from slavery to the promised land. In fact, if God had chosen one of these routes, it would have taken merely weeks or maybe even days, we might describe it, not months and years. But God doesn't lead them on the shortest route. Partly he does this to protect them from hostile people they might encounter along the way, but partly he doesn't lead them on the shortest route because they need time. They need time to learn, you see. The Israelites needed to learn how to trust God. They needed, to learn, they needed time to learn how to live as God's people. They had to learn how to live as free men and free women underneath the loving rule of God. And that means they had to learn how to trust. They had to learn how to depend upon God. 
See, life in Egypt, it was hard, but it was predictable. Life in Egypt was demanding, but it didn't take trust. Life in Egypt was exhausting, but it didn't take God. The Israelites knew that as long as they worked hard, they would have food to eat, they'd have a place to sleep. They didn't have to depend upon anyone. They just had to work hard. Well, we too, you and I, we have to learn how to trust From the day we profess Jesus Christ as Lord of our lives until the day we draw our very last breath, we are on a journey learning how to trust. And some of you may be thinking, now wait a minute, I already believe in God, I'm, I'm a Christian, you see. Friends, there is a difference between how we typically use the word believe and biblical faith. There's a difference between how we use the word believe and what I'm calling trust or dependence. See, lots of people will tell you they believe it's important to save for retirement. But many of those people aren't saving much, if anything, for retirement. There are lots of people in our world who will tell you it's important to exercise and eat right. But many of those people don't really do either one. You see, we've reduced belief to simply agreeing with something mentally or maybe even verbally. But that's not biblical faith. Mental assent is not biblical faith. It's not. I think a better word for the biblical idea of faith is trust or dependence or having confidence in something or someone. Uh, Take this stool, for instance. You see, I can stand here all day long believing that that stool will hold me up. I can walk all the way around this stool and I can analyze the materials and the workmanship. Is it metal? Is it wood? Is it held together with wood glue or screws or maybe both? Who manufactured this stool? I could study the stool up one side and down the other and then I can determine that, that yes, I've decided I believe that stool will hold me up. But that is not having faith in the stool. I don't have faith in the stool, you see, until I sit on it, until I trust it, until I depend upon it. Biblical faith is not a mental thing. It takes our whole being. It takes all of us. That is biblical faith, you see. The Israelites had to learn how to trust God, how to depend upon Him. God invites them to step into freedom as His people, but they're going to have to learn how to trust Him. And the wilderness journey, it is the school where they have the opportunity to learn how to trust. They're going to to wilderness school, if you will. See, the Israelites face a crisis at the Red Sea with the Egyptian army bearing down on top of them. They faced the difficulty of getting all of those people and all those flocks and herds across the wilderness, largely on foot. They faced the possibility of starvation. Water is scarce. There's the danger of attack from without and rebellion from within. There's, this is no walk in the park. But they are in wilderness school to learn how to trust. So look with me at Exodus chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 2. After God rescues the people of Israel at the Red Sea, they journey on for about a month into the wilderness. 
And then verse 2, in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. They are so grateful for their freedom, aren't they? <laughs> so thankful, these people. So as the Israelites said to them, if only, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, for there we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you've brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. The Israelites are just gifted complainers. I mean, they really are. They're gifted. If only God had killed us in Egypt. You know, there we had pots of meat and we had all the food that we wanted. Does anybody remember what they were doing in Egypt? I mean, they were slaves. I mean, let's get this right. They were slaves. They were not spending their days at a golden corral eating out of a chocolate fountain, right? That was not happening. Not happening. And here's the thing about being discontent. Being discontent, it plays with your mind. It distorts your perspective. You exaggerate how bad your condition is, or you look through rose-colored glasses at how things are for someone else, or at how things used to be in the good old days. The grass is not greener, and we need to remember that. Look at verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough food, enough for that day, and in this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. In other words, will they trust me? Will they trust me? So that night, God causes a quail storm. And I've learned, in East Tennessee, we're concerned about hail storms, right? Well, this is a quail storm. Not as hard on your vehicles, I've heard. But anyway, um, a quail blow through the camp and, and the people have meat to eat. Verse 13, look down at verse 13. That evening, quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp, and when the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, What is it? What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. Now, I just love this. So the name they gave for this bread that showed up every morning was manna. Now, in Hebrew, the word manna means, what is it? Isn't that great? I, I just think that's great. They called it manna because they had no idea what it was. They're not a creative bunch, the Israelites, right? But they've had a hard 400 years, so cut them some slack. Now, there's a very important rule about this food, you see. You didn't pick it up at the local grocery store. It wasn't delivered via Blue Apron or Amazon Prime or anything like that. You had to actually go out and gather it up. So look at verse 16. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer, which is a unit of measure, for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some gathered little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. The one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone gathered just as much as they needed. And then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any until morning. Don't keep any until morning. And, and that's kind of the rules. Pick it up every day. Don't keep any till morning. Verse 20. However, some of them... <laughs> paid no attention to Moses. 
They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. So were the other people in the tent. I'm just <laughs> guessing there, but I think it's, it's a pretty good guess. Well, there are two major principles that we need to learn from this episode. And here's the first. Provision comes from God. The Israelites had to learn this. They had to learn that their present provision comes from God. See, when my, uh, when my older son Brennan was, was a baby, it was really interesting feeding him. Now it's just expensive, but back then it was really interesting. See, there was a point early on when he was learning to feed from his bottle, and, uh, and while he was still learning, there were times that he would pull off of the nipple that's on the bottle and stick his thumb into his mouth. Now, he was content with that for a moment. But then he realized, of course, that there's no milk coming into my mouth. And so then he would pull his head and throw it around and get a little fussy and so forth until I would take the bottle and put the nipple back into his mouth and then the milk would flow. He had to learn where the milk was coming from. And we're like that too. We have to learn where our provision comes from. Let me just ask, how often, day by day, even moment by moment, do we lose sight of the fact that God is providing for us? Now, let's be brutally honest. Here in America, we pride ourselves on our work ethic and on our self-made attitude. And we're much like the Israelites, right? Remember, they knew that if they just worked hard, they'd have the food they needed, they'd have a place to sleep. They didn't have to depend upon anyone else. They just had to work hard. That sounds like us. Well, yes, Ron, we have food to eat. We have a roof over our head. We have clothes to wear because we're Americans and we work hard for what we have. And I wonder if our great American work ethic and self-made attitude cause us to forget that it's God who provides. When we sit down to eat, if we even bother to pray, is it just something we do because we've always done it? Or maybe it's kind of expected among the family or friends that we're sharing the meal with? Or do we, in that moment, do we truly recognize the hand of God in that food being in front of us? See, it's not just a salad. They're in a bowl. But God created vegetables to grow and reproduce. And, and someone planted those vegetables in the ground that God made. And someone tended to them and cared for them and harvested them. And God provided those people with the health and strength and knowledge to do that. And he did the same for the people who shipped that food to our grocery store. And maybe it was even you that God utilized to cultivate and harvest that food. And it's not just a hamburger. But think of this. God created cows to taste delicious. Delicious and God created them to reproduce so we would have more burgers and steaks than what just one cow could provide. And God created and supplies grass for their food and water for them to drink. And he has people to help tend to them and care for them and, and, and help get the meat to us. And he gives us the health and strength and knowledge to do those things. But it is so easy for us to go to the grocery store and swipe our debit card that pulls money out of our account that was put there by direct deposit. Why? Because we worked hard for that. 
And then we take the groceries home and then we cook our food all the time thinking, it's us. We are providing so beautifully for ourselves, aren't we? But in Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses tells the people, he says, one of these days, things are going to be going so well for you that you're going to think that you're responsible. And he says to them in verse 17, he says, you may say to yourself, it's my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, Moses says, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So one principle from this story is that it's God who provides. And and not just our food. Not just our food. When you see a beautiful moon in the sky or maybe a clear sky full of stars, do you recognize that as a gift from God? Several weeks ago when the trees began to bud and the flowers began to bloom, did you recognize the coming of spring as a gift of God? When you have the opportunity to play catch in your backyard with your son or your daughter, do you recognize that moment as a gift from God? When God provides peace and direction in the midst of stress and confusion, Do you recognize God's gift? See, God provides. And pausing for just a few moments before we put food into our mouth to recognize that God provides for us and to genuinely thank Him for it. That will help to train us, you and me, to recognize God's provision throughout our day in ways big and in ways small. It's God who provides. Well, here's the second principle. It's kind of a simple one. Trust God for today. Trust God for today. God will provide for you one day at a time. Trust God for this day. See, God said, pick up only enough for the day. Don't leave any of it until morning. And of course, people are people, right? (laughs) People are people. Some were afraid, some were anxious, some were nervous. And and some just thought they'd be clever and beat the system. If we pick up extra today, we can sleep in tomorrow. We don't have to go out and gather it all, right? But God had something absolutely essential to teach the Israelite people. And it is the principle by which you and I are to live. God says, trust me one day at a time. Learn to trust me for this day see folks if you worry about tomorrow you will worry your whole life long i don't know if you knew this but scientists are studying whether or not there is something genetic to severe worrying that that there might be a gene that influences worrying now that you know that how many of you are worried that you might have it (laughs) maybe a couple few But if you worry about tomorrow, you'll just just worry your life away. But God says, trust me, for this day, just this one, just this one, just this day. In fact, what does Jesus teach us to pray, remember? Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread, you got it. Jesus also said, 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. What if, what if you and I could say this? What if you and I could say, God, I trust you for this day. I don't need guarantees about tomorrow. God, I don't need the answers to the questions that I'm not even being asked right now. God, I don't need to cross the bridges that I haven't come to yet. God, help me to trust you for this day. And then we wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. What if, what if, what if our lives could be a great adventure of trusting God one day at a time? In the wilderness school, God is teaching the Israelites how to trust him. And see, here's the thing. Please get this. If they couldn't learn to trust him in the daily things of picking up just enough for what they needed for that day, how in the world would they ever be able to cross the Jordan to conquer the promised land? If they couldn't learn to trust him in the daily things of life, how in the world are they going to march around Jericho? How in the world? The time to learn to trust God is not when you get laid off from work. It's not when the doctor confirms the diagnosis. If that's when you start, it's really hard to trust God. See, you and I need to notice God's provision in the small daily things. We need to trust God in the small daily things. And then we will build the kind of trust muscles that we need when the big stuff of life comes our way. So our challenge is to learn to trust, to learn to live according to this simple principle. Maybe you can even call it the manna principle. Trust God for today. Because I promise you, sometime this week, you will be tempted to worry. Worry about your future. Worry about your kids. Worry about your marital status. Worry about your job, worry about money, worry about your body, your health, worry about a meeting coming up, worry about some possession that you just have to have. And when that happens, when those things come up in your mind and in your heart, just say, God, give me manna for this day. Help me to trust you this day, just this day. God, I trust you to give me enough wisdom for today. I, I don't I don't want you to give me, God, all the wisdom I'm going to need for the rest of my life. I don't, I don't want all that today. J just enough for today. God, give me enough patience and courage for today. God, I trust you for enough love to handle this day, whatever comes. As best as I can, I trust you that tomorrow you'll give me enough for that day yet again. But for now, I will trust you for this day. Friends, do you realize how much joy and how much peace would be ours if we could learn to live by this principle? Trust God for today. Now, it's not going to happen overnight, I have to tell you, because worry has such a hold on most of us. But every time it rears its ugly head, we just have to say again, okay God, manna for today. Manna for today. I trust you for today. So I want to encourage you to take one of these cards home with you. There's some in the pew in front of you. It just says manna. Take one home with you, maybe two, I don't know. And place this wherever you will see it on a regular basis. Maybe it's on your dresser in your room. Maybe it's on your refrigerator. Maybe taped to the bathroom mirror. Maybe on your desk at work. Maybe in your car somewhere, visor perhaps. 
so that every single time you see this, you'll remember that God provides. You'll remember that God can be trusted for this day. And let this be a reminder, whenever worry tries to overtake us, we can look at this and remember that God provides, that he can be trusted today. God can be trusted, you see. And that's what God was trying to teach the Israelites in wilderness school. And they were slow learners. (laughs) They were not very good students. May it not be so with us, because God can be trusted for today. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, even all the ways that you've been providing for us just so far this day, we are so blessed. And God, we admit to you, trusting in you is really hard if we, if we do it with our whole being. And so God, we ask for your Holy Spirit's help to strengthen us, enable us to trust you for just this day. And we ask this in the name of Jesus and in the power of his spirit. Amen.